Here's my note. Here's my introduction. No, I'm just kidding. Scott Keel is a minister at the congregation in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, where Karen and I grew up, where I've known Scott since the late 80s, early 90s. Scott went to Oklahoma Christian, married his wife, Kim, and she told me to talk about Kim. Married his wife, Kim, their freshman year, right? Yep. And his senior year, he was offered the job to come work as the minister of education at the congregation in Broken Arrow in 1987. And on here it says, yes, that is not a typo. This is his 35th year with the congregation in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. That, that in and of itself is, is just incredible. I just appreciate that so much about Scott. He is the father of three children, has two grandchildren, who he also told me to talk about them. Uh, let me just say this, too, while he's standing here awkwardly. He brought with him one of his elders, Jerry Lundy, who is also one of my, literally my oldest friend. I mean, he's not old, friend, but he's my longest friend. We've known each other since the second grade, so it's great to have Jerry here with him. Uh, Scott did four lessons this weekend at our men's retreat, and it was it was so encouraging. Uh, one thing you, you'll you'll learn about Scott if you spend any time with him is he has a love for people. Uh, what you'll see as he shares this message this morning, you'll see he also has an incredible love for God and for his word. So with that, I'll let you. Okay. <laughs> so I will say this while he's sitting down. Uh, when I came to Broken Arrow, Clint was in high school. And Jerry was in high school. <laughs> and so it's, it's really cool to, to say something like this. Man, the kids grow up so good, don't they? <laughs> Uh, and it's also kind of cool to have uh, an elder that was a kid in the youth group when I got there. <laughs> that's, that's fun. A um, couple of things. Um, Broken Arrow's kind of connected to this church because of Clint, uh, but because of also we support the same missionaries in Brandon and Katie. So, you know, on behalf of Broken Arrow, uh, hello as brothers and sisters in Christ on behalf of Brandon and Katie. And you can't say Brandon and Katie without saying justice. Uh, you know that. Um, and so, uh, you know, hello and, and, you know, brothers in Christ to them. And, and as I was uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper and as we kind of closed that, I, I just kind of even thought to myself, you know, my wife and, and my daughter, Macy, uh, in Broken Arrow, um, they, they partook of the Lord's Supper at the same time of day that we did here. Uh, our worship services are at 10. And, and then I thought, yeah, but they did that like an hour earlier, though, as far as actually partaking. And the reason that is, is just because of distance. Um, and even though they are far from us, like Brandon and Katie, uh, they are part of us. And so just the idea that we can partake in a meal that commemorates uh, what Jesus has done uh, to bring us salvation, uh, to bring us peace on this world, but to bring us a peace that's, that's past this world um, is, is awesome. And that's something that we can do together. Um, if you would open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want to I want to I want to read a passage out of there uh, because we're going to be talking about being together in the Word. And I know that when we think of the Word, there are certain things that just automatically come to our mind. And I want to begin in verse 5. So 2 Peter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And I'm like going, whew, that was a long list. Uh, but I want to remember, 
You're adding all that stuff to your faith. Okay, all those things that, I just, that we just read off, you're adding to your faith. Um, for if you possess these qualities, this is verse 8, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever doesn't have them is nearsighted and blind, uh, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So we're going we're gonna to have the topic together in the Word. That's our, that's our topic for this morning. And, and we say things and we speak of, we speak of Scripture uh, in light, like from Philippians uh, 2 verse 12, where it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's the idea that you're not just going to get to base your salvation on what somebody says from this pulpit. You're going to have to actually be a part of this process. In fact, it's on you to have your relationship with God. And you can listen to what I have to say. Uh, but you're not, you're, you're not going to have me beside you at the judgment day. You're going to have Jesus Christ beside you, and he's going to want to know that you listened to his words. Uh, you, he's going to want to know that you cared about what he had to say about this subject. In other words, listen to the preacher, uh, but go and check it out for yourself, right? We also speak of Scripture passages that tell us how to live, and so we read things like Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and do not sin. So this is scripture telling us how to live. Be angry and yet do not sin. And this is, again, taking a personal responsibility of how we're supposed to live our life. Be angry, do not sin. We also have read things from scripture teaching us how to live where it says uh, to be patient with others. Ephesians 4.32, be kind, compassionate with one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So there's, there's this understanding that there's a way we're supposed to treat each other. Um, we're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to be compassionate. And that's what we see Scripture as, something that's going to help us learn how to live. And um, once um, we were filled with all kinds of worldliness, and yet now as we have taken on Christ, as we have become part of His body, we're now expected to kind of follow His words. Uh, Paul reminds the Corinthian church that uh, he gives this big long list of all these worldly sins. And then right at the end of that, he says something like this, and such were some of you. And I think he could say the same thing about us in this room today. We could give that big long list of sinfulness, of yucky darkness, and then say something like this, and that's what we used to be. The Christians in Thessalonica also came, I, let me use this word, they also came from a dark background. And I, I, I use that word because in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says this, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night, nor to the darkness. And that's, that's like awesome good news, isn't it? And that's what we find out in Scripture. We kind of find out who we, who we are. We find out what we're supposed to be like, how we're supposed to act. And church, I don't know if I can bring that to you strong enough, that we have the word. We need to be people of the book so that we need to know exactly what God expects of us. We, know to, we need to know exactly how to live. We need to know exactly how to feel. We need to know exactly what to teach others. Romans 15, verse 4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. 
It was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We might have hope. I hope you probably see this already, but we need that hope. And I think COVID and this whole mess of what's been going on for the past year and a half has helped us see that we need to have hope to live for. Uh, we need that hope, and that hope is found in the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. It is found in Him. It is found in the gift of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, it is found in the power of God that raised Him from the dead. And if you remember from Romans, uh, it, it is that power that raised Him from the dead, so that just like God raised Him from the dead, we too may live a new life. And, of course, that's that beautiful passage talking about uh, baptism, talking about becoming a Christian, talking about dying to ourself and being raised to walk in newness of life. Um, we need to understand from Scripture that uh, we have to study. We have to study to show ourselves approved. Do you remember that verse in 2 Timothy 2.15? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, who rightly, what? rightly divides the word of truth. And if you're like, divides the word of truth, what that means is there's a right way to understand it and there's a wrong way. So you can unrightly divide the word of truth. You can wrongly divide the word. You can mess it up. Truth can be distorted. It can be twisted. It can be polluted. And how are you going to know if I'm not doing that this morning? You're going to know because you're expected to read scripture for yourself. You're expected to be in the scripture. You're expected to study. So, together in the word. Doesn't that feel good? Together in the world. Uh, in the word. So, I'm, I'm going to guess because of personal first-hand knowledge. I just actually experienced a Bible class with you guys. So, I think the church here believes being in the word is important. You got kid classes. You got adult classes. You got them on Sunday. You got them on Wednesday. Yeah, you got ladies Bible class sometime. Do you ever do personal Bible studies? Do you ever encourage like groups to, or you know, families to get together and study together? Um, do you ever have devos for the youth? You know, where you get together and you may play some games, which obviously you also study Scripture together. Yeah, does this church ever encourage you to have your own personal Bible study? Do they say things like, "Hey, you need to have your time in the Word," and they give you suggestions like, "Hey, first time, you know, when you first get up in the morning," they maybe even suggested, "Hey, when you go to sleep, right before you go to sleep." It's a great time. Um, that's all cool, and that's awesome and everything, but I'm going to go ahead and have a hairpin turn here. Y'all know what a hairpin turn, right, is? You go on up on the mountain, and then you come to that, you know, you're going to have to turn around, and if you've got a, you a motorhome, you're, like, going to have to back in and back out and, you know, make that turn. So together in the, world, in the Word, I think there's certain things we just automatically think of, but I'm going to kind of throw a wrench at you because I think if all you think of is I'm studying Scripture, that's being together in the Word. I think you're about halfway there, maybe even a third of the way there. Seriously, my wife is like, hey, Scott, I made you a chocolate pie. And I'm like, awesome. She goes, it's in the refrigerator. So I walk over to the refrigerator and open it up, and I look in there, and there's this tin. It's got a crust in it. And that's it. And I'm looking at that crust in the pie, and I'm like, hoo-hoo, that's a crust. Now... How weird would it be if I go, sweetheart, that's awesome chocolate pie. I'm excited. Uh, is that a chocolate pie? That's the start of a chocolate pie, right? Honestly, if it's a graham cracker crust, I'm excited right there. <laughs> but you know, 
you know, you know that in your heart, you know what I'm telling you already, that pie's not done. Okay, it started. You know, when we think of being together in the world, in the world, why am I keep saying world? That's weird. When we think of being together in the word, okay, if all we think of is Bible study, then we got a crust. We got to start. But this hairpin turn says there's a whole lot more to it than that. And I, and I hope we need to think about it. It's not finished. So I'm just going to stop there and I'm going to compliment Kim on making the right kind of crust or getting it or buying it at the store or whatever. But I'm also going to encourage her to keep going. Um, I'm going to compliment, <laughs> I have written down here, I'm going to compliment Kim on the fantastic chocolate pie um, that's one day going to be fulfilling. <laughs> Y'all got that? I'm glad. Church, if we're going to be able to hang on uh, with endurance that this world is throwing at us, um, then we need more than just the crust. Okay, this, the crust is where it begins. Please don't get me wrong. The crust, the crust is where it begins. Um, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, right? I've overcome the world. And what we need to do is we need to be more than just taught. We need to be more than just taught. Um, I read passages like the one I just read to you in 2 Peter, and here are some things that stand out to me from that passage. Uh, His divine power has given us everything we need for for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Okay, that's going to be the teaching part. I wrote out beside it, that's the crust who called us by His own glory and goodness, and through these, His glory and goodness, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, glory and goodness, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. That's the salvation part. And then he says, and because of that, because of those precious promises, because of the salvation that we have, guess what? You need to add to your faith. And then he's going to go in this big, long light, uh, this long list of things that we have got to continually grow in. We've got to continually grow in. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, if you're continuing to grow in them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest to you just a little bit that ineffective could be talking about the way we live our lives. You know, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect us. It's going to affect our struggle with having the peace that passes understanding. Okay, so we need to keep growing. We need to keep growing in our maturity and our understanding and in our faith. Okay, we struggle with overcoming temptation. We struggle with making the right choices. Okay, just because you became a child of his and became a Christian, uh, you still got some life to live and you still have some decisions to make. And I'm going to suggest that unproductive could be talking about our reaching others. Um, You can't give away what you don't have. You can't give away what you, you can't teach what you don't know. For if these, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective in our own personal life and unproductive. We're not bringing others to him either. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them, they're nearsighted, they're blind forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. So somehow, let me use this phrase, somehow we, not only, we need to get that goodness in us. 
Okay, we need to get that goodness in us so that it spreads out, so that, number one, it helps us in our walk, in our daily walk with Christ, but it's also going to help us in reaching others for Him. But the, but the question is, the question that we always ask is, how do I get that goodness in me? Well, we're at church, right? So what's the answer? Well, it's prayer. It's Jesus. It's read the Bible. That's exactly what I would say if I was in a Bible class, and that's the answer, Right? But I want to I want to I want to show us that it's actually even even more than that. We have got to take our learning uh, out of the Bible classroom. Okay, we've got to get it out of that room that was back here. We got to get it out of this room. It's got to get out of this room. Um, what's the difference between learning and training? Uh, just think about that for a second. What's the difference between learning and training? So I'm going to talk to you. Let's pretend like everybody in here is a Bible class teacher, okay? Because I want to talk to you as a Bible class teacher. Or let's just pretend like everybody in here is a parent. So I want to talk to you as a parent who you have kids that you are going to be teaching. And you have kids that you're going to want to make sure that are taught the right thing and that they not only are taught the right thing, but they live the right thing. So parents, teachers, um, we got to involve our students. Okay, let me re rephrase that. We have to get our students involved. Okay, we have to challenge them. We have to uh, engage them and challenge them personally. Okay, for you, the teacher, uh, this may be, I may be telling you, uh, when you think about teaching your kids in your class, the students in your class, uh, you, somehow you've got to challenge them to use this. Okay, now I, I could talk to you as you, the student. Okay, you need to be challenged to use this. So get ready. Uh, be prepared to come to church and be challenged to use this. What if I said you had homework when you came to Bible class? Now, some of us would be going, well, you can't give me homework at church. Really? How about it's just world work? I mean, so that when you're, you know, get out of this building, it's time to get some world work done. Deuteronomy 6, these are the commands, decrees, and the laws the Lord has, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. So did you hear the book knowledge in that? I mean, I got some stuff I need to teach you. These commands and decrees, the good news is they're all written down, so I can show them to you, and I can, you can get the book, and uh, I need you to observe these commands, verse 2, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as they live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. Why? So that you may enjoy a long life. And can I pause here and say it's probably longer than they expected. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And then verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Okay, church, we know. We know that God's commands are to be on our hearts. I almost wondered why he didn't say, these, are need, these need to be on your mind, you know, but they need to be on your heart. They need to be on our hearts. Um, how do we get them there? Scripture says, 
depress them on your children. No, it didn't say depress them. What did it say? Impress them. Impress them on our children. How do we do that? How do we impress those things on our, on our family? How do we Im- impress them on those in our class? Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Well, that could be like family devo time, couldn't it? That could be like, like in the morning before you go to school, dad's going to yank out the Bible at breakfast. Okay? Teach them, teach them when you're sitting at home. It could be even later. I get it. I'm just throwing out there the idea. Do you have a family devotional time when you teach them at home? Um, it could be just you talking to the kids and taking a, an opportunity. Teach them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Definitely outside of the house. You're outside of there. You're learning. So you're walking down the road and you see something. Maybe it's a bunch of corn and you're like, hey, let's make a lesson here. Or you see some roses or you see some flowers or you see some dandelions. You know, you see some weeds. Uh, Teachable moment, right? Guess what? Impress them on your children while you're out doing your daily stuff. You may be at a store and some stuff happens at a store. You know, somebody's parenting skills are not being working very good, so you're able to stop and impress your children about some things you want to make sure they know. You might, you might want to know how, they, how much you love them and, and really what it's like to be self-disciplined when you're walking through a store and you have a million things you could put in your basket. Impress them on your children as you're, as you're walking, uh, definitely outside of the house, outside of the classroom. Uh, impress them on your children when you lie down and when you get up. Uh, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the door frames of your house and on your gates. You know what? If you did that, um, you know, when you get up, when you go to bed, when you're doing this, when you're doing that, you can't even walk around your house without getting an understanding that these things are important. So I kind of wrote outside in my notes here, this is meanings, means all the time. Every chance you get, impress them on your children. Now I want to I give you an illustration and, and hang with me here for a moment. Uh, I do work as a police and fire chaplain, and so I want, to, I, want to, I want you to think of this. What if every single call that the police received, they could handle on the phone? Wouldn't that be awesome? Just take care of it all on the phone. Yeah, what's your emergency? Yeah, okay, here's what you do. And, uh, all right, we're good. Wouldn't that be cool if the fire department and the EMS ambulances they could take care of it all on the phone yeah what's going on yeah all right here you go here's what you do you got it all right we love you guys okay they probably didn't say that i don't know but seriously just pretend like let's wrap our head around the idea that that could happen okay now if i was a police officer would i be training some of us would be saying like what for why would i need to keep in shape i wouldn't have to chase anybody down because we can handle it all on the phone uh, wouldn't really need to know how to use, uh, you know, the force that's been given to me by the authority of the civil government. Wouldn't know how to direct that. Wouldn't know how to work it. Wouldn't even need to practice it or train it, train for it. SOT would be a, just a nice little three letters. Special operations team, in case you didn't know what that meant. If you're an ambulance driver or an EMS or an EMT or a paramedic, um, you're going to get some book knowledge, right? You're going to go into a classroom. But here's the deal. If you never plan on deploying, what are we doing? Why are we in the classroom? 
I wrote down here, it's just like algebra in the ninth grade. Why are we doing this? This makes no sense. I, I figured out something. I'll never use algebra in my life. That's not true, but it doesn't, at ninth grade, I might not understand that. But do you see what I'm saying? If I'm just learning it so I can sit around in a classroom, what's the point? The point is, if you're going to get deployed and actually have to use this stuff, you might want to know it. But you might want to know more than just know how to know it. You might want to know how to use it. And you might want to practice being able to use it. So uh, there's, a, there's a point, if you're a, a paramedic, that um, you're, you're going to say, can we like, get out of this classroom? Isn't there an ambulance in like, the bay over here? So at some point, they're actually going to take you out and actually show you the ambulance. They're going to show you where all that stuff is that they talked about. Because you're actually going to need to know where it is in the truck. And then, what's the next thing they're going to do? After a while, they're going to let you go out on some calls. Now, I don't know how y'all's fire department does it here or your ambulance service, but in Broken Arrow, it's like, hey, you're going to have to train for, some, for a bit, so you're going to start going out on these calls, but you need to stay out of the way. Okay, because we want you to watch it happen. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to see it in action. That'd be almost like somebody saying, hey, I got a personal Bible study with somebody. Hey, would you come with me? I don't know how to do that. I know, you don't have to say a word. You can just sit there, and I can be teaching you. You can just be learning. Just sit there and listen to the questions they ask, and, and, and then watch the response and see the scriptures that we go to. But at some point, you know, with this paramedic, He's going to quit sitting there watching everybody. Otherwise, what are we paying him for? One of these days in Broken Arrow, it's called 10-8. You're going to go active. You're going to go active and you're going to be ready. You're not only going to be ready to take a call, guess what? You're going to take a call. And you're going to go out and it's going to be up to you to save someone's life. So can I just say this? I want to thank you for the prayer that said thank you for the hospital workers who are saving lives. Because... And not just because they're saving the lives of our loved ones, right? They are. But here's what else. They're saving the lives of some non-Christians who need Jesus. I want you to wrap your head around that. They are saving the lives of somebody that I need to go talk to. That needs to live long enough so that they hear the gospel and have a good chance to respond to it. So the paramedics and the, and the nurse nurses and the doctors and those people, please save their earthly lives so we can help be a part of saving their spiritual life, right? We need to be ready. We need to be able to go 10-8. So we have to figure out a way to get this to happen in the church so that not only are we together in the Bible classroom, together in the Word, in the Bible classroom, but we're together in the Word as it's actually being done and actually being taught and actually being shared and we actually go out on calls together. So here's, here's what I know. The beginning place is a nice graham cracker crust. Okay, and we need that. But we need to keep continuing from that. We need to, we need to study to show ourselves approved. But if that's where we stay, um, we're choosing to be a toddler. We're choosing to be a toddler. We're choosing to believe that the Word is a book. We're choosing to believe that the Word is a book. Is the Word a book? What does it say in First John or in John one? Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what? 
with God and the Word was God. You know, and, and, and the Word didn't even stay in heaven. The Word became flesh. And you know, I get that the Word became flesh in, in the incarnate person of Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ didn't stay here in the flesh. He ascended back to the Father, right? And then we read in verses like Galatians 20, uh, 2, 20, Yet not I, but Christ. Can I go ahead and say it like this? But the Word lives in me. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? Galatians 3.27, we're not, only, not only does the Word live in us, but we got the Word on. We are clothed with Christ. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Being together in the Word begins in the Bible, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. The Word doesn't stop there. The Word's not just the Bible. The Word is Jesus. The Word is God incarnate. So here's the way we do this, all right? It starts with your calendar, and you have one probably on your phone. So it begins with your calendar. We can go from teaching to training to being out, taking calls, and start with our calendar. You could call, you could call it even away in this illustration, you call the cal- your calendar uh, the crust, if you wish. Because you could make a plan uh, to learn and then to train, and then to go out and be on call. It can happen. Uh, parents, here's what we got to do. Um, we need to start challenging our kids. Okay? We need to start scheduling challenges. Church family, you need to start scheduling challenges for your kids. Um, Adult Bible class teachers, you need to start scheduling challenges for the other adults in this church. Um, this is how we grow. And then in those challenges, guess what? You take them with you. You take them with you. It's true. Uh, you want to be a good soccer player, there's a book on it. You can read it. But somewhere in there, you've got to quit reading the book and get out on the practice field. So you get out on the practice field, and what do you do on the practice field? You kick, you run, you pass, you shoot. Uh, but there's some time in there you've got to get off the practice field and get on the, the real field. You've got to get in the game. And, and this is one of the last things I want to make sure we understand is when you get in this game, okay, you are not alone. Okay, you're on a team. Some of the scariest parts, uh, if you're a kid, especially like if you're at school trying to be godlike, and you're trying to be an influence, and, and it's kind of scary what somebody might ask you or you know, some of the questions about you know, morality today, but the thing about it is um, you're not alone. It may feel like you are, but you're not. Uh, obviously, I'm going to say if you're a Christian, Christ lives in you. You're not alone. Not, you can't, there's no place you can find that you'll be alone. The other part of it is um, look at the group you're sitting around. Okay, you're not alone. Now, they may not be at lunch with you right then and there, but they're a, they're a phone call away. They're a text phone call. They're like, what's a phone call? <laughs> okay. They're a text or an instant message away. You, know? um, you can connect with each other, and you can encourage each other, and you can uplift each other. And I'm hoping your mom and dad are understanding the same thing about their group, right? Want to learn how to stay together uh, as a married couple um, and not just you know, be under the same roof? You want to learn how to have an honor-filled marriage and have a marriage as God intended it? Well, then learn together. Get the book out and learn together and then practice together. Not only practice together, but then go out and do it 
together. Meaning, use your skills in those, in those big moments. You know, marriages, uh, husbands and wives, when you learn that, you're not only going to help save your own marriage, but when you learn that, uh, you will be uh, able to share with another husband and wife that are struggling. And you will be able to say, hey, get in the book together. And let me show you how we did it. Get, get in the book together, and, and here's how to practice each other. Uh, you know, we've got God's manual on how to live morally. Okay, so parents, let's take that book, the Bible, and, we, and figure out what the moral issues of our day are, and let's find in Scripture where it addresses it, and then let's teach our kids about it. Okay, and so let's not just say, hey, this is what the Bible says about that. Don't do that, and don't do that, and don't do that. Let's say those things, but let's have the attitude that comes across in love, but let's also practice it. And let's ask those questions to our kids. Like, let's say something like this. Hey, what are some of the questions you get at school? And they tell us, and we go, okay, I'm going to ask you. Okay, and let's, let's learn to respond to this. You ask me, and let's, let's practice how we're going to respond to somebody who says, oh, yeah, well, what about this? You don't even know what love really is. Really? Let's talk about love, and let's, let's see what love is from Scripture. Let's see what God expects of us morally from Scripture and how to act. Um, John 1, verse 14, in Scripture, says, The Word became human and lived among us. This is God's Word's translation. The Word became human and lived among us. We saw His glory it was the glory that the Father shares with His only Son, a glory full of kindness and truth. Church, you already know this, but we're ambassadors of His. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we take Christ to the nations, Matthew 28. Um, let's make this spiritual. Uh, let's apply this to our spiritual walk, our spiritual journey, to help us in our own spiritual battles. Let's be together in the Word. And I get it. There are so many different needs out there. You know, some of us need to become a Christian. And so we need to be led and taught down that spiritual part of our journey. Some of us need to know why Christ died for us. Some of us need to know what he did and what he expects of us in becoming a Christian. And, and, and if you're in that journey, man, keep going down it. If you're kind of at the end of that journey and you're waiting around, you know I'm going to say, what are you waiting for? Become a child of his. But I also know there's lots of other needs. You know, there are needs of this, of this church family because some of us have fallen away. We've quit doing and being what we know we need to be. Um, partly, and we've blamed that on lots of things. I was secluded. I was alone. I didn't know. I was frustrated. I got angry because somebody, somebody didn't, didn't act godly toward me. And that happens. But don't let your Christian walk be based on what somebody else does or what somebody else says because it's not, actually. It's not. So prayers for strength and encouragement await you. So if that's your need, don't hesitate. So I'll just say the invitation is yours. And if you need that, if you need to become a child of his or you need the prayers of this church, come while we stand and sing. Let's sing.